Hello, one and all, and welcome back to another episode of History Spelunkers, the show where we crawl down into the depths of history and to find the niche and the obscure trinkets we can find. I am your host, Kelvin, he, him, pronouns, and joining me again is my wonderful, fantastic, and curious co-host. Say hi. Hi, this is Jamie, she, her, pronouns. Welcome back, Jamie, to your first episode on this extra season. How have you been? It's been good. It's been a while. Mm hmm. But um, we're back and have plenty of more stories to tell the world. So we'll, without further ado, dive down into another one. All right. Jamie, do you follow a lot of politics? Um, not really. Not um, and by not really, I mean kind of not at all. Yeah. Everything I hear is just what you tell me. So. <laughs> yeah, because I, I am very much uh, a nerd for that kind of thing. Uh, so you have to just tolerate me. I understand totally. Uh, it takes a special type of insanity to follow all the stuff going on. But... Uh, oh even for people that don't follow politics, which I am assuming several of our listeners also fit that category, um, would you think that the name Kennedy rings a bell to people, especially in American politics? Oh, I think it might ring more than one bell. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, would you say that the Kennedy political family is probably like, the most prominent in U.S. political history? Oh, for sure. Yeah? For sure. Uh, who would you think ranks higher, Kennedy's or Bush's? Um, as far as, like, conspiracy theories go, definitely the Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's that many about the Bushes. I, I mean... I would say probably the Kennedys. Yeah, and... Just in general. And I... Yeah, the Kennedys are big, and even though that, um, as you'll find throughout the course of the topic of today's episode, like, technically in terms of the quote-unquote ambitions, the Bushes might have been more successful, but um, the Kennedys, I think, probably because the time period that a couple of them fit in and the exact circumstances that happened, they mm-hmm. 
been mythologized more and um and that's of course mostly because the you know we have the most famous of the kennedys john f kennedy um you want to guess what the f stands for Hmm. is it something easy to guess not really no (laughs) (laughs) okay then just tell me my first guess would be like frank or something like that fitzgerald fitzgerald john fitzgerald kennedy i don't like that (laughs) that's yeah i don't think a lot of people do so that's why they just stick with jfk (laughs) um but every american knows anything about u.s political history then they know of course his assassination and his short presidency Um, but of course, Kennedy was not the only child. He came from a Irish Catholic family who lived up to the stereotype. Uh, (laughs) he had a very large family and also JFK was not the only Kennedy to have died in such a high profile way. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there's been a plethora of deaths, accidents, and terrible things that have happened to many different members in this family. So much, in fact, that people, including some members of the Kennedy family, have questioned whether or not there might be a curse which afflicts them. Have you heard of this? I have, and I definitely think it's real. The Kennedy curse? I... I do think the Kennedy curse is real. Yeah, well, that's the topic of today's episode, is we will <laughs> kind of go through some of the high-profile tragedies, and yeah, we'll weigh the merits to see if there is a curse. And um, There is one. Yeah, so we're already decided. We can end the episode. <laughs> um <laughs> But so, yeah, how the format will go through is we'll kind of like go through by generations and then within the generations we'll go, you know, oldest to youngest through the siblings um, and show how they figure in to this family curse. I'm only going to go so far just because, I mean, this is a big family and so there's still a bunch of Kennedys around and so... yeah. Some of the stuff that's like super recent or with less high profile members of the family, I'm just not going to touch on really. But that this mm-hmm. is not an exhaustive list of the tragedies I am about to go through today. Okay. It, so um, we'll start off with uh, the first couple of generations the get the background of the family. So, the Kennedy family immigrated from Ireland in 1849 and was established in the U.S. by Mr. Patrick Kennedy. Patrick lived in Boston and had five children, the youngest of which started the family's penchant for political life. Um, And there's really only one of those five kids that, that we will trace. He's the one that we'll trace the line through. So the youngest of the five children was Patrick Joseph Kennedy, or PJ. Note on the names, the Kennedys like to reuse the same names over and over again. 
And it makes it very confusing sometimes to figure out exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> okay. We get a lot of Johns. We get a lot of Patricks. We get a lot of Josephs. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Hmm. But it'll they just... need to get more creative. You know, we'll just have to deal with it, I guess. Um, <laughs> so the child, Patrick Joseph, or PJ Kennedy was born in 1858, and he started the Kennedy's reign in politics by becoming a member of the Massachusetts House of Representatives and later a state senator. He was the first family member to have received a, quote, proper education, and he also began building the family wealth by becoming a businessman, he owned several bars, and he imported whiskey into the country. Good old Irish whiskey. Okay. Um, and so while both of the Kennedys I have named, Patrick and then PJ, mm-hmm. have at points faced certain familial tragedies um, as far as like deaths in the family and that type of thing. While that is tragic, it's not necessarily anything out of the ordinary for just a normal human condition. Both had children that died really young, and PJ had a degenerative liver disease, which contributed to his death at the age of 71. So, Mm -hmm. pretty run-of-the-mill stuff as far as things go, especially Mm -hmm. with this family. Now we will go to PJ's children. And this is where we start to get the ball rolling in terms of family wealth and ambitions. So the oldest of PJ's four children was Joseph Patrick Kennedy. And he was born in 1888. He attended Harvard and was able to greatly increase his father's wealth by being very successful and very lucky on the stock market. He married... So Patrick Joseph had a son and named him Joseph Patrick? Yes. How creative. Yes, I, I told you. <laughs> it's... And it doesn't get a whole lot better from here. <laughs> um, so yeah, Joseph Patrick Kennedy, or Joseph, um, he married Rose Fitzgerald who was the daughter of the mayor of Boston and a congressman. Okay. And so he united a couple of politically ambitious families in the region. And Joe Kennedy, what in he had a very high opinion of himself. Um, he f- envisioned himself to be he wanted to become the first Catholic president of the United States, basically. Um, And so he began working in the political realm down in D.C. Under Franklin Delano Roosevelt's presidency, he became the first chairman of the Securities Exchange Commission and the first chairman of the U.S. Maritime Commission. Doing pretty good for himself. Right, right. Um, This is Security Exchange Commission, you know, relates with stock market regulation, basically. 
um, because he managed to pull out his money right before the Great Depression happened. So he got out lucky and managed to, Mm -hmm. you know, turn, make even more money and all that stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so it very much was his field of expertise. So, yeah, he's become involved in kind of not the extended cabinet, I guess you could say, of the president's administration. And so he wanted to succeed Roosevelt in the 1940 election. And so he asked Roosevelt to make him the treasury secretary or the ambassador to the United Kingdom. He wanted to build up his resume a bit more. Did they ask? And FDR was like, I'm not going to make you a cabinet position, but I'll, I'll let you become ambassador to the United Kingdom. That happened in 1938. And Joe Kennedy, you know, moved to London to be in the court of St. James. He moved his family over there. And he was working, you know, political stuff at a very interesting political time 1938 to be in england and uh it was during his time as ambassador that joe kennedy completely ruined any chances he had at becoming president because of the political stances he took Hmm. he was an ardent isolationist so he did not want the u.s to get involved in world war ii which made him incredibly unpopular in the country that he was being in the ambassador for. Um, Cause of course the UK wanted the U S to join the war. And he was also a supporter of the policy of appeasement towards Adolf Hitler. He was basically, Oh, you know, he was basically like, Oh yeah, we can let him invade Czechoslovakia. Cause he'll stop then. Right. And Oh, we'll let him invade France. You know, he's fine. He's not hurting anybody. Um, you know, just let him do what he wants. Um, he was also anti-Semitic openly, and he thought that fascism would ultimately succeed over democracy. Hmm. So. Yeah, not exactly the kind of views that get you elected as president in the U.S. Especially right around the time that we are going to war with the Nazis. It's not a good idea to be like, mm-hmm. oh, they got some ideas, though. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he realized that he was going to end up being on the wrong side of history. And so it's here that he transfers his personal political ambitions onto his children. Mm. Joe had nine children, and this is like the generation of Kennedys that everyone knows about, Um, and this is also where, quote-unquote, the curse begins with this next generation. We'll go oldest to youngest, so we might jump around in the time scale as far as between the kids, but each kid Mm -hmm. will be pretty concise in their stories. So hopefully it won't be too confusing. Child number one is Joseph Jr. 
He was born in 1915. He went to Harvard, played on the football team, graduated with a degree in government. He was attractive, athletic, and in every way, his father's dream son. And as such, Joseph was grooming him to become president. Mm-hmm. And so World War II starts. Joe Jr. enlists in the Navy, in the Naval Reserve, becomes a Navy bomber pilot, and serves in the war over in Europe. Looks good on the resume and also, you know, genuine patriotic duty, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, during his service, he was promoted to lieutenant and completed 25 combat missions, which qualified him to return home. Instead of doing that, he volunteered for an experimental program known as Operation Aphrodite. Um, basically, this program was like experimental aircraft with radio-controlled bomber planes that basically kamikazes, but without people inside. And Interesting. Okay. So these drones... Um, had to have people on them in order for them to take off from the runway and to arm the bombs on them. And then once they set up the autopilot, they would parachute off of the plane. The plane would crash and, you know, the pilots would be rescued. And it was during one of these missions, 1944, that in the process of arming the bombs... The ordnance detonated prematurely and killed Joseph Jr. and his co-pilot, and the plane crashed in the North Sea. Dang. So that's 1944, thus ending George, I mean Joseph Jr.'s story. So yeah. tragic in and of itself, and of course, the trauma of having your brother die in war. That's an attack mark on all of his siblings, of course, to add to their tragedies, yeah. if you're keeping score. <laughs> so, next in line is JFK, John Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. also known as Jack. Um, he was born in 1917. He also attended all these prodigious schools, went to Harvard, you know, all that pedigree, Boston rich kid stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, after Joseph Jr. died, it then fell to John to take up all of this political grooming to become the president. And uh, mm -hmm. but uh, Jack wasn't necessarily as perfect in every way as Joe Jr. was from a very young age. JFK was afflicted with several severe illnesses, chronic illnesses, and was ultimately diagnosed with Addison's disease and hyperthyroidism. So, oh, I never knew that. He had multiple endocrine disorders that basically meant his body didn't produce enough steroids or other types of hormones, and so he dealt mm -hmm. with chronic abdominal and lower back pain. Like Almost mm. crippling levels of pain throughout his life. 
And uh Yeah, it's it's bad. But um he also serves in the Navy during World War Two and uh he was initially rejected due to his chronic illnesses, but he eventually mm-hmm. managed to work his way and get to serve on a motor torpedo boat in the Pacific theater of the war. This boat was called PT-109. And in 1943, in the Solomon Islands, during a campaign, PT-109 was split in half after it was rammed by a Japanese ship. So JFK obviously survived, and with his surviving crewmates, they swam three and a half miles to the nearest island. Wow. JFK had to make... Always to swim. Yeah, no, it's... And it gets even more just ridiculous. So JFK, he swam that way. He had injured his back in, you know, the accident, but he was dragging one of his fellow crew crewmates life jackets between his teeth the entire way Uh and then after making that three and a half mile swim dragging one of his crewmates by his teeth he then swam another two miles to try and flag down nearby ship but that didn't work so he had to come back then after a couple of days of living on this island they running out of resources they had to swim another three and a half miles to a different island to find food. Also, while dragging this injured crewmate with him. And so, yeah, basically they island hopped, swimming in the ocean for about a week before they were rescued. And then... I can't believe they survived all that. Yeah, no, like, true war hero stuff. And so... Kennedy would, uh, JFK would go on to serve in active duty for about another year before he was honorably discharged due to his back injury. And he received the Purple Heart as well as several other medals and stuff. So, decorated war hero. Mm. Which looks good on a political resume. And so. It really does. In 1946, with a lot of help and financing from his father, he ran for Congress, and he won without getting a majority of the vote, but he beat 10 other candidates. So, Mm -hmm. you know, his first race was kind of like, oh, okay, no one really knows the Kennedy political power yet. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But he won, and he served in the House of Representatives for a couple more terms till 1953, whenever he Mm -hmm. ran for the Senate. And he won his Senate election and served for a full term, and then he ran for President of the United States in 1960. And he won the presidency by the closest margin of the 20th century. By 1,000, I mean, 112,827 votes, or 0.17% of the popular vote. Wow, that's a really close one. Yeah, 
And I think it's like the second closest of all time. So he barely won. But, uh, you know, he goes on to become president. Young, handsome Kennedy in the White House. Uh, Mm -hmm. He does all the whole stuff with the Cold War and all that drama. We don't Mm -hmm. care about that. We're here for the personal. And so while he's in the White House... Um, he faces several, multiple tragedies, um, familial life. Um, so Jacqueline Kennedy, his wife, she had two stillbirths and a miscarriage Mm -hmm. before she had, uh, her kids. And so Mm -hmm. the latest stillbirth occurred on... In August of 1963, while she was first lady, mm-hmm. JFK was assassinated in November, November 22nd of 1963. Mm. Of course, he was shot in Dallas. So that ends his tragedies. And so next child on the list is uh, our first daughter of the series um the third child in line was rosemary also known as rosemary kennedy she was born in 1918 and she starts off her tragedies trauma whatever you want to call it right from the very beginning uh whenever she was born there was not a doctor immediately available because it was in the middle of the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. Okay. They didn't have a doctor at hand, so the nurse in charge forced Rose Kennedy, Rosemary's mother, to keep her legs closed, holding the baby in the birth canal for two hours while they waited for a doctor to arrive because she didn't feel competent. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and so okay. Rosemary uh had some issues from this lack of oxygen at birth and it mm-hmm. appeared to develop into a major impact on her cognitive and men- mental ability and some intellectual disabilities that became more aware as she grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, this doesn't look good back in these days to have a kid that's not as prim and proper and perfect as you're wanting them to be for all these political ambitions. And so Joseph Kennedy kind of kept um, the intellectual disabilities that rosemary had under wraps from the outside world and even from other members of the family and okay. at the age and that's her dad right? yes yes joseph okay. is the dad um and he's a the parents are real sons of bitches by the uh, this one's a really i tell you jamie um get ready to get heated um so at the age of 11 Rosemary is sent to a boarding school that specialized in special education. Right. But 
she did travel and move with her family to England in 1938 after her father became the ambassador. Mm -hmm. After a couple of years there, she returned to the United States and, you know, with the war starting. And so she returns to the United States and her her condition begins to deteriorate somewhat. She Mm -hmm. begins suffering seizures and having violent outbursts. And so people not knowing how to give her the proper care that she needs, um, Mm -hmm. they send her to a convent school outside of Washington, D.C. And so they keep her there for a bit. And uh, she begins, whether it's her just being a teenager acting out or her, you know, mental uh, disabilities not equating well for social interactions, maybe, um, she begins sneaking out of the convent at night. Okay. Whoa. Okay. And uh, her parents are worried that this erratic behavior, um, they th- believe that she's, you know, possibly having sexual partners and, uh, you know, or so she could get an STI, she could become pregnant, you know, this mm-hmm. could bring shame to the family and her brother's political careers. Mm hmm. And so they really start worrying about Rosemary. And when Rosemary is 23 years old, her father decides that the best course of action is to give Rosemary a lobotomy. And he does not tell Mm -hmm. his wife about this decision until after Rosemary has had the procedure. Oh my God. Now... For listeners who are unaware, a lobotomy is a antiquated medical practice, a surgery that basically cuts off part of your brain. Um, it was believed to help with people who had certain types of mental disorders that would it would rectify them by calming them down, making them less likely to hurt themselves or whatever. Modern science tends to recognize this as basically making someone brain dead. And so the lobotomy that Rosemary had was a failure and her mental acuity became that of basically a toddler. She was immediately institutionalized and kept isolated from her family. And in 1949, she was moved to a facility in Wisconsin where she lived out the rest of her life. And when I say she was isolated from her family, I mean it. Her father never came to visit her at the facility. And it took 20 years for her mother to do that. Good grief. None of the children knew about the lobotomy or exactly where the sister was being held until 1961 
in which JFK was running for president at that time. So they're like, hey, you might, you know, you're president now. You, you might need to know about this. And mm-hmm. also in 1961, Joseph Sr., Joseph had had a stroke, which left him unable to speak. And so now, pe- you know, people could talk about it without Joseph shutting them down, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, truly awful thing. Um, after JFK became the president, the wider public became aware that Rosemary was kept in this Wisconsin facility, but they did mm-hmm. not know about the lobotomy until 1987. And after Joseph Sr. died in 1969, Rosemary was finally brought back into the family somewhat. She was able to go on trips with them. Her younger mm-hmm. sister, Eunice Kennedy, became really close with Rosemary and they spent time together. And Rosemary is often cited as part of the inspiration that helped Eunice found the Special Olympics. Mm. And so Rosemary passed away in 2005. Okay. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Joseph Sr. seems to be a real piece of work. Mm. Um, next child up to bat is uh, another daughter. It is Kathleen. So the fourth child, second daughter, uh, she was born Mm. in 1920. And Kathleen was affectionately called Click by her family members. And she was very close to John. She would often play football with her brothers. (laughs) That's cute. She moved with her family to England when his father when her father became ambassador and was educated at Queen's College and uh she was the child that very much i mean she was 18 whenever they moved to England and so mm-hmm. she very much England became like her home she loved her time there and as a member of you know the high british society and mm-hmm. um Whenever World War II broke out, she pleaded with her family to let her remain in England um, with her friends and, you know, all the connections that she made there. But uh, her family told her that that basically was not an option. And so she was returned to the States with the rest of the family. Mm Of course, she's unable to go to war in the same manner as her brothers during this time. And so instead of going into the military, she served by volunteering with the Red Cross. And it was through her work with the Red Cross that she was able to return to England in 1943. And she did this by herself. And it was during this second stint in England that she began to grow distant from the rest of her family. And (laughs) she began a romantic relationship with a William Cavendish, who was the son of a Duke. Ooh, fancy. Her family did not approve of this relationship because he was not a Catholic. 
But despite her family's best efforts to stop her, she married William in May of 1944. And Joe Jr., the oldest brother, was the only member of the family who attended the wedding. Of course, JFK, he had an excuse because he was in the hospital from his, you know, boat accident. And uh, her younger brother, Robert, was also in military training. So, you know, they have excuses. But the parents, you know, hmm. Yeah, they don't really have an excuse for nothing. Yeah, I don't know. And so they weren't there anyways. um, And... Her marriage to William made her a marchioness, which is a fancy British noble title. Um, But then we get to her tragedy, uh, her tragedy, the first of her tragedies. Um, Her marriage was very brief. After only a few weeks together, William was sent to the front line to fight the Nazis And in September of 1944, William was killed by a German sniper in Belgium. This is about a month after Joe Jr. died in his plane crash. Hmm. That's so close together. Yeah. And she's the only Kennedy in Europe. She's the closest one, you know, to this. So she continued to live in England after the war. She was a very popular socialite, and after a few years of grief, um, she began another relationship with yet another British noble who was also named mm-hmm. William. Uh, Interesting. He's got a type. It got a type, yeah. I mean, but so it was William the Eighth. It was actually the Eighth Earl Fitzwilliam, to be exact. Hmm. And again, her mother did not approve because William, this William, was in the process of getting a divorce whenever they began seeing each other. Mm. And so... Very scandalous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but she was in love, and when Kathleen learned that her father would be traveling to Paris she decided that it would be a good idea to try to win him over and have him meet the Earl. This sounds like a bad idea. Um, So they met her father in Paris as a couple, you know. I guess it went well whenever, you know, who knows how it went down, really. But Mm -hmm. um, since they were in France, they decided they might as well go on a vacation to the French Riviera. And uh, on May 13th, 1948, their flight left Paris. About an Mm -hmm. hour into their flight, they entered a storm, and the plane crashed and killed everyone on board. Whoa. She was buried in England on the Cavendish family plot, and her father was the only family member to attend her funeral. Wow. Which, again... Like, I guess he was there, but, like, come on, Mom. Jesus. Yeah, what's the mom been up to this entire time? I, I, I don't know what their deals are. I really don't. But, yeah. So that is, unfortunately, the end of her story. Mm. So, next child in line. 
Robert Kennedy. Robert was born in 1925, affectionately known as Bobby. He would go on to become probably the second most famous Kennedy. Um, okay. He was, uh, like JFK was known by his initials, Bobby would also go on to be known as RFK by some groups hmm. as an equivalent. Okay. His childhood was also filled with all the fancy private schools and Harvard education, all that stuff. Um, uh -huh. But he was less macho and machismo than his brothers, his mm. older brothers. Uh, and given that there was a rather large age gap between him and them, their relationship as children was not a very close one. Mm -hmm. His father wasn't the biggest fan he considered bobby to be the runt of the family mm -hmm. but you know time goes on world war ii comes around bobby enlists in the navy but given his young age he didn't enter active duty until march of 1944 and at that point he spent active duty in officer training so he never saw combat like his older brothers did. Mm. He went back. It's never to, really a chance to make daddy proud. Right, right. Um, and so he went back to college after the war. And in a shock turn of events, he did not go to Harvard Law School. He went to the University of Virginia. And so that was, okay. you know, he's branching out from the typical Kennedy formula. Um, but he got his law degree, and he helped his brother, John, during his congressional campaigns, and mm -hmm. was on the campaign for senator. And um, after, you know, all this stuff, he's helping out his brother. And with his law degree, he ended up being an assistant counsel to the U.S. Senate Subcommittee on Investigations and was able to help the investigation into six suspected communists as part of the McCarthy-era Red Scare. Mm. So, very interesting. Uh, so he's helping catch these supposed communists, except they probably weren't communists. And after a couple years, he then helped the investigation into McCarthy which became this huge thing um, of mm. McCarthy, you know, trying to wield power beyond his station and really trying to just muscle his way around. The senator famously had a supposed list of all the communists that had infiltrated the U.S. government and military. And, of course, that list really did not exist, but, you know... Um, so Kennedy kind of turned and went back against his former boss. When JFK became president, Bobby became his attorney general. Hmm. Which, you know, nepotism, but you're not a Kennedy if you don't do nepotism. So Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's um, kind of a, a trait in the family. Yeah, but by all accounts, he was a very good at attorney general um he became one of the most ardent supporters of the civil rights movement within the kennedy administration okay. 
And he was also crucial to resolving as like a, he was a negotiator in the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so, you know, he he was pulling his weight. But um, his brother, of course, assassinated in 63. And in 64, after having a very fraught relationship with President Johnson, he ends up leaving his post as attorney general. Um, He moves to New York to run for an open Senate seat. He wins. And in 1968... He, too, ran for the presidency, like his brother. Now, I could spend a lot of time talking about Bobby Kennedy's work in the Senate and his presidential campaign, because I don't know if you know this about me, but I am a Bobby Kennedy fanboy. I love this man so much. Really? I've read several books on him, you know, it movies i've watched documentaries i love bobby kennedy which you know isn't a necessarily super hot take people that follow politics you know he's i don't know that a lot of people don't like him i guess really you know but um yeah i i like bobby kennedy but um the main point of his 1968 presidential run was that on june 5th 1968 After he won the California Democratic primary, he gave a speech at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. After finishing that speech, he was going to go to, you know, like a reception area in the building, I think it was. Um, But he Mm -hmm. cut through the kitchen in order to, you know, move through the building. And while he was moving through the kitchen... He was shot and killed by an assassin. Very unfortunate. Uh, I am convinced that he would have been, you know, the best president we never had. Which tends, you know, it fits in with the Kennedy mystique or whatever. But yeah, very unfortunate. And um, that's the end of Bobby's story. So we've had... Two assassinations, two plane accidents, chronic kidney diseases, you know, a lobotomy. It's a lot. Um, Next Kennedy on the list. And this will be the last Kennedy from this generation of nine kids. Um, And uh, this is Edward Moore Kennedy, who is known as Ted Ted Kennedy. Yeah. He was born in 1932. So he was the baby of the family. And uh, in fact, there's such an age gap between him and his older siblings that JFK was Ted's godfather. Which seems weird. Does seem weird. Can you imagine being the godfather for your own little brother? Yeah. But that's how it was. And so... His family's constant moving around the world whenever he was a baby made it very difficult for him in school. Um, Mm -hmm. But he, too, would ultimately go on to attend Harvard University. But he was kicked out in his first year for attempting to cheat on a Spanish exam by having another student take it for him. 
he was expelled, but uh, he joined the army and served as an MP, was stationed in Paris for two years. Um, But then he left the military, went back to Harvard, graduated from law school um, in 1959 in time to help out on JFK's presidential campaign in 1960. And Joseph, the father, wanted Teddy to immediately go and fill JFK's Senate seat after Kennedy won the presidency, you know. Mm -hmm. But Ted wasn't old enough because you got to be 20, you got to be 30 to be a senator, I think. Um, Yeah, that sounds right. And so Teddy, Ted Kennedy was not old enough to, you know, that was the only thing stopping him. And so... Mm -hmm. The Kennedy family got a family friend to be appointed by the governor to fill out the remainder of JFK's term. And then Ted Mm -hmm. ran in 1962. And he won, of course. And uh, he was actually presiding over the Senate on the day JFK was assassinated. So, yikes. Um, Yikes indeed. But the first major tragedy, which hasn't been covered by any of the previous siblings we discussed, was in June of 1964, Ted Kennedy was in a plane crash. He was flying in a private plane with a fellow senator, and there was a storm, Mm -hmm. plane crashed. The pilot and an aide of Kennedy's were killed, and the other senator had to pull Ted from the wreckage, and he spent months in the hospital recovering from a broken back and punctured lung. Um, But he actually won uh, the 1964 election from the hospital, so. Okay, he survived and he won his elections. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then after Bobby was assassinated in 1968, um, Mm -hmm. there was a movement at the presidential convention that year to draft Ted to replace Bobby on the ticket. Um, Because... Bobby Kennedy was on track to probably win the nomination just because of how popular he was. But whenever, of course, he died, he becomes even more popular. And now no one knows who to rally behind. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was a movement to try and get Ted Kennedy to replace Bobby on the ticket. But Ted rejected this. He did not. He didn't. He didn't want to be seen as a replacement for his brother. He wanted to be like his own man, you know. And right. so he said no. Went back to working in the Senate, and eventually became majority whip for the Senate in 1969. And in 1972, he was again seen as a front runner in the presidential race. 
but Ted didn't want to run because he did not like the idea of being president. He, you know, both his brothers that ran for president had been shot, and so he knew the dangers of it. <laughs> and uh, he allegedly said, I know that I'm going to get my ass shot off one day, and I don't want to. So, valid. Um, but the next tragedy of Edward Kennedy uh, occurred a few months in uh, a few months uh, da, 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 after he became majority whip. Uh, it was mm-hmm. July of 1969. Ted Kennedy was driving home from a party with a secretary named Mary Jo Kopeshi. Kopeshni. Um, and while they were driving, they went across a bridge. Kennedy lost control of the vehicle and drove it into the river near Chappaquiddick Island. The vehicle. Recently, they make a movie about this? They have made a movie about this, yes. Um, because the vehicle overturned. And according to Ted, he dived under the water several times in an attempt to free Mrs. Miss Kopeshny from the car, but was unsuccessful. And so she drowned and died. But um, where things get even more dramatic than this was that Ted Kennedy fled the scene of the incident and did not go to the police until the next morning after Kopechny's body had already been recovered. Mm. So this, of course, led to a bunch of rumors about, you know, they were having an affair or he was drunk driving and trying to cover it up. Mm -hmm. All of which Ted, of course, denied. And, um, but he was charged with fleeing the scene of a crime. Or, you know, and so he was punished with two months of a suspended jail sentence. And he asked the public whether or not he should resign. But after hearing feedback, he stayed in his seat, ran for re-election and won. So, Mm. like you said, they made a movie about it. The Chappaquiddick incident, as it's known... It's still a big subject for debate about what actually happened. A lot of conspiracy theories, but, you know, we'll never know. Um, The only other person who knows what really happened that night is Ned, so. Yeah, right. And uh, so Ted Kennedy remained in the Senate and ultimately did run for president in 1980. Um he was trying a primary against President Carter in the primary. And mm-hmm. it was a very contentious campaign, but was ultimately unsuccessful. That was the only time he seriously ran for president. And so he remained a large figure in the Senate. He served for decades. One of the longest serving senators in history. It was like 47 ish years um and so big figure in the democratic party um you know he he was well-liked figure 
but he did struggle with alcohol during the 80s and 90s, and there were numerous incidents of alleged sexual misconduct involving female staffers at the Capitol, but unfortunately, this does not seem to be unusual for people who have been in the positions of power for as long as he had at the time he had been there. So... Um, he also had some incidents with the paparazzi taking indecent pictures of him and, you know, he had marital issues and all that stuff. But um, he did not pass away um, until 2009. And so and his death wasn't particularly tragic. So he survived the Kennedy curse outside of all the stuff that has already happened to him. Um, but, outside of all the horrible things that happened during his life. Right. And so, uh, but he's actually the one who uh, is credited with granting some legitimacy to the term the Kennedy curse. Um, mm-hmm. Because after the Chappaquiddick incident, he, in some interviews, he was musing about whether or not there might be a curse that hovers over his family and stuff so that that's a generation four i guess we'll call it um of the kennedy family done we still got one more figure who we will talk about because he is generally considered the last high profile kennedy tragedy um yeah not necessarily the end of the curse, mind you. There's still a lot of other stuff that happens after him, but um, he's the last big name. And so... The last... Yes, yes. And so... This one is of the next generation. Uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. He was born on November 25th, 1960, about two weeks after his father won the presidential election. And as such, the press fell in love with him. Um, he was He was a darling. Everyone loved him. America loved him. The press gave him the nickname John John, even though no one in the family called him that. Um, his dad really, so apparently his parents had like conflicting views on the press's obsession with John Jr. Yeah. Because Jackie did not want the press seeing the kids at all. You know, she wanted the kids to have a normal enough lifestyle or whatever, but JFK, he was more open to the press being around and taking pictures Mm -hmm. of him partially because he understood that the press goodwill would give him some political capital. But, Mm -hmm. um, this you get, you know, there's a famous picture of JFK sitting at his presidential desk and JFK jr is crawling through a door at the bottom of his desk. So, very cute picture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, because we've already gone through this history multiple times at this point, we can see what the first tragedy of this young Kennedy's life will be. 
and that would be the assassination of his father in 1963. Mm -hmm. And uh, his father was killed on November 22nd. And so the state funeral was held on John Jr.'s birthday. And during the state parade down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, there... One of the most famous photographs of that period is a picture of John Jr. standing in front of a crowd giving a final salute to his father's coffin as it goes in front of him. Very sad. Um, His uncle Bobby tried to step in as a paternal figure and uh, became really involved But then, of course, he was shot five years later. And so Mm -hmm. Jackie decided that since they're killing Kennedys in this country, she's going to get her kids out of the country. She marries a Greek businessman, Aristotle Onassis, Mm -hmm. and they move to his private island in the Mediterranean Ocean. They live life there, whatever. His stepdad dies in 1975, and originally his millionaire stepdad was only going to leave him like $25,000, Yeah, but Jackie was able to renegotiate it where she and her kids got $20 million, so good on- That's a big renegotiation. Yeah, yeah, and so he eventually returned to the States- He went to all the prodigious schools. He traveled the world in the Peace Corps that his father helped found. He graduated from Brown University. He did not go to Harvard. And he moved to New York City. And he worked for business development companies. And but he ultimately had to bow to the Kennedy family pressure and attended law school. But he went to NYU. Like I said, he's very much a media darling. He's young, charismatic, attractive. Um, And as the growing mass media of the 80s and 90s develops, um, they obsess over him more and more. In 1988, he was named People's Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. He's one of only two non-actor-slash-musicians to win the title. So, you got that going for him. Um, Yeah, but the tabloids, they obsessed over his love life and his possible political ambitions. And he hated the attention. But it came Mm -hmm. with the territory. Uh, He graduated from law school in 1989, but uh, he failed the New York bar exam to become a lawyer twice before passing it on his third try. And then he went to go work in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. But uh, he wasn't happy there, really. He wanted to become an actor, but... That's not a job that the Kennedys do. So the family, his mom, told him to think of something more serious. 
And so mm-hmm. in 1995, he created George Magazine, which was a political magazine that tried to make politics sexy, I guess. Um, The famous first edition has, like, a scantily clad woman dressed as George Washington with, like, the wig and the colonial jacket. So that's the vibe they're going for. John's celebrity and helped boost the early sales, but it eventually became a struggling enterprise. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't, you know, wasn't the best thing, I guess, as far as business goes. And then in 1996, he married Caroline Bissett in a secret ceremony that they held to escape the paparazzi. So they had a secret wedding. And uh, in 1998, John Jr. completed a childhood dream of his and earned his pilot's license. Mm. But uh, he did not get to use it long because on July 16th, 1999, John his wife and his sister-in-law, Lauren, were on their way to attend a wedding of a distant Kennedy cousin at the family compound in Hyannisport, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. The plan was first to drop Lauren off at her home in Martha's Vineyard, and then they would fly to, you know, Massachusetts proper, and John was going to fly the plane. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, at around 9.40 p.m., the plane crashed off the shore of Martha's Vineyard, and after several days of searching, the plane wreckage, and after several days of searching, the plane wreckage and the bodies were found. Um, The cause of the crash is attributed to poor weather, which led to decreased visibility and John Jr.'s noviceness as a pilot. Um cause spatial disorientation given how dark and cloudy it was. So... What a plane crash in this family. Yeah, we got three plane crashes, a car accident, a lobotomy, um, you know, chronic illnesses, two assassinations, stroke, uh, just general bad vibes from the mom and dad. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff. But... Um, So, in closing, um, soon after the death of JFK, Jackie Kennedy gave an interview with Life magazine. And this 1,000-word essay, in it, Jackie made a comparison of the Kennedy presidency that has stuck in the minds of the country as they view the family. And in this interview, she quoted the final lines of the music Camelot. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've heard that musical. No, I haven't. Well, um, apparently it was one of JFK's favorite musicals. And so the final lines, um, she paraphrased. And uh, the quote was, don't let it be forgot. 
that once there was a spot for a brief shining moment that was known as Camelot. There will be great mm. presidents again, but there will never be another Camelot. The image of the Kennedy administration being a Camelot of peace, hope, an American, you know, youthful vigor that's proud, capable, you know, this great president, one who's ready to lead America into the new frontier of the 1960s, like he promised, but was cut tragically short. And his absence, you know, led to the chaos of America that is the late 1960s and 70s. You know, you got the Watergates and the Vietnams and the civil rights stuff that gets violent, you know. All that stuff. So the Arthurian comparisons get basically brought up each time there's a high-profile Kennedy that has these bright hopes of being, like, president. You know, it's like a... Uh, there's a famous Arthurian book called The Once and Future King. Um, and it's basically like the once and future Kennedy, you know? It's like, oh, yes, we're gonna... If we get another Kennedy in the White House, they're, it's gonna be as beautiful as the time that we had the Kennedy in the la White House the last time, even if it might not have been as rosy as we are looking back on in memory. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, but whenever JFK, you know, so that got brought up again with Bobby, that got brought up again with Ted and with JFK Jr., but after JFK Jr.'s death, it really, truly, like, killed the dream of this Camelot for most people. Um, yeah. And, like, cemented the tr tragedy of this family of, yeah, that that's it. And so, um, so, yeah, like I said, there's a lot more tragedies and deaths that have affected this family. Um, but a lot more recent and they're a lot less profile. But, you know, we got a, another... Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's running for president. So, uh, mm -hmm. like right now? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, he is, and uh, <laughs> he's, uh, I don't want to say he's putting a stain on the family name, but uh, he's a interesting person. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. No. Well, uh, he is famously an anti-vaxxer mm. who has gone mm. on the record recently of saying that, um, you know, the usual autism is caused by vaccines. Um, yeah. But also, you know, that COVID-19, that pandemic was a whole conspiracy because of the vaccines and that was evil. And, uh, oh, and school shootings are caused by kids taking antidepressants. And he's, he says a lot of crazy shit. Um, mm. so, um, 
that might be a tragedy in its own right that he's as crazy as he is <laughs> but um we'll see what happens how many of these had you heard before of these like different tragedies and stuff well obviously i've heard jfk i think everyone knows that one. right um and i'd heard about the guy going off the bridge those are like the only ones i could have you know listed off the top of my head yeah but yeah. i knew they been i knew that pretty much every single person and the Kennedy family had gone through some really big tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a long list. Uh, you can go on Wikipedia if you want to look for some of the more recent generations. I mean, that list has been updated as recently as, like, 2020. So it's, like, bad stuff still happening, unfortunately. And uh, hopefully the list stops growing at some point because there's only so much tragedy a family like you mm. it makes you feel bad just watching this stuff just happen constantly yeah um you know even if they are super rich and you, you, you feel bad so hopefully they get some good luck coming their way well, hopefully they really need it yeah they, whatever they got caught on they need to break it yeah they, they need some they need some wins. Nah. Not, I, I will say, hopefully that win doesn't result in a RFK Jr. winning the presidency because that would be insane. He truly is, he truly is a piece of work, Jamie. You'll have to look into him. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let him lose and then you can start winning. How about that? Um, <laughs> but uh i guess that's where we'll end it today jamie thanks for listening i hope that today's topic wasn't too depressing to the listeners out there um but if you enjoyed it please tell your friends about us and for those who want to go a bit deeper into any of these stories or the sources i'll put some stuff down in the show notes um our instrumental music is by mountaineer you can find their stuff and more on Upbeat.io. As always, we want to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on occupied land that rightfully belongs to the Kiowa, Comanche, Tonkwa, as well as other indigenous peoples. If you have any questions, suggestions for future episodes, or you just want to say hi, you can reach out to us at History Spelunkers. That's history, S-P-E-L-U-N-K-E-R-S at gmail.com again thank you for listening and thanks for coming down the rabbit hole with me until next time bye bye